This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Part of the problem in our world is the inability to know where to begin if we want to make changes. If we want to try to help our community a lot of times we feel intimidated by doing the research and finding places and reputable places and reputable people to work with. And that can be a big issue in getting off the couch and getting into your community to make an actual difference. I am a fan of this gentleman. I had a chance to talk with him on another radio show and uh, sit down face to face. We had a great conversation that day. And I wanted to bring him back on today to talk about this, especially with Minneapolis and the state it's in and finding ways to get more involved in helping people, helping our neighbors, neighbors and helping our community. Reverend Tim Christopher joins us here now on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hi, Reverend Tim. Thanks for being here, sir. Well, thank you for having me on, Dave. I definitely appreciate it. It's great talking with you, catching up with you. I loved your openness, your awareness of the situations and the communities and the things that are going on around us and, and finding ways to get out there. Do you find that a lot of people are hesitant to get involved in helping simply because they don't know where to begin? Yeah, I've, I've come to that realization uh, to see that 
you like you said, a lot of people just don't know where to start. Um, a lot of people try to get into it. Um, I also, you know, in a way for the wrong reasons. Um, if you're going to come out and you're going to help the community, if you're going to do something, you, I've, I've found that uh, a lot of people don't do it from the heart. They do it to get clicks or to be on social media and things of that sort. So in order to be a part of it and really be a part of it, you just got to leave yourself aside and, and go out and do the things that, that needs to be done. How do we get the groundswell grassroots effort from the neighborhoods and get people involved? Uh, is it just door knocking like it used to be? Is it, is it, you know, obviously social media, I would have thought would have been a good way by extending the, the olive branch and seeing people out in the community doing work and people posting for clicks and posting for uh, acknowledgement, making more people aware of the things that are going on in their area. But I can see how you can see that as being counterproductive as well. Yeah, is you know what it's it's having um, neighborhood meetings. You know, it's it's getting out there and letting people know where they can help, what they can do, and and who to get involved with, and what organization to get involved with. You know, some of these organizations are out here; they're out here pretty much for themselves. Um, there's been millions and millions and millions of dollars dumped into uh, Minneapolis. And you don't see any change um, because I feel I'm not, I'm like I said, I'm not talking for anybody else. I'm just saying what I see. Right. Um, I don't feel that that money goes to the right people. And I don't think, like I said before, I don't see it in a way of saying the right people are actually out here with their boots on the ground, doing the things they're supposed to do to make the community better and the people in the community better. I think a large part of these people who are out here are out here uh, because they, they feel that they, they can make a difference. True. But then they get to the point to where they understand that there's a, even a lot of people in the community that don't want to help. And it kind of, you know, make the people who are out here, you know, feel bad. I mean, I walked away. I mean, I, I walked the streets back in 1996 uh, in Minneapolis when I lived right there on third street. Um, and I started seeing that, you know, I, I had really no help from the community at large and it was taken away from my family. I had two boys at the time, you know, married to my wife and it was taken away from them and I'm trying to do everything I can to make the community better, but the community just do not want to come along and, and do the things that needs to be done. So it's also the community too. I lived in Minneapolis, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, 5226 Irving Avenue North in Minneapolis for yeah. five five years and loved the community. I, you know, we had a nice little starter home. Uh, the, the neighbors were great. I actually knew my neighbors, Reverend Tim, if you could imagine that. And uh, this wasn't 40, 50 years ago. This was 25 years ago. And I lived there and we knew our neighbors. We watched out for each other and, you know, we would have big block parties and everybody from the community around was welcome, and everybody stayed to clean up afterwards. And the ones that left and left a mess, the other neighbors didn't mind. We all had our garbage cans out on the street, and we're picking up the the plates and the napkins and the cups, and and moving on. And we there was pride in the community, pride, uh, and and 
community meaning not just you know being a middle class white male it wasn't just a bunch of middle class white people that i was friends with in our neighborhood it was the rainbow coalition my friend we had everybody from every walk of life in our neighborhood and everybody got along everybody was able to come together to work and and do these things and we saw the commonalities as opposed to the derision and the the strife that's going on uh, and and seems to be so prevalent right now where do you think the breakdown came that people stopped with their concern about community and became more focused on the concern for the individual. I don't want to put in any more work than I have to. I don't want to have to do anything more than I have to. And nothing's going to get better. Seems to kind of just be the, the cry of the day. Well, I, I think, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's the way it was. I mean, I lived on 2729 North 3rd Street. You know, I was right behind the, the park sure. there on, on Lindale. Um, and, you know, if you drop below the 40s back in the day, that's where all the trouble was. If you stayed above the 40s, you could live a good life. And like you said, you can go outside. You can have a good time. You can enjoy You can enjoy your neighbor. You knew your neighbor. But you drop below the 40s, that's where all the, the hooligans were at. And people who, who looked at Minneapolis in a way of saying, I'm going to do whatever I want. And they terrorized the community. And that started seeping up to the 40s, right, and the 50s. And people started going, wow, you know, I'm putting all this time into this community, and I have no community leaders that is going to push back on making my community something that it's really not. And it just, I mean, you could see the dark cloud leave, you know, the 20s and the 30s going up to the 40s and the 50s, up to where, where you was at, instead of it being the other way around, where the dark cloud, you know, disappears coming down on the, the, the 40s and the 30s and the 20s, you know, and all this ugliness and all the crime and the criminals, you know, went the other way and disappeared. But that didn't happen um, because the community was so pushed down by that time that you're talking about. There was no coming back. There was no no one that actually wanted to step up because they was afraid. You know, you understand what I'm saying? They was afraid that, you know, if I spoke out, then they were going to come to my house, that I'll wake up in the morning and I've got, you know, gang members standing in my driveway threatening me, telling me to shut my mouth. And the normal everyday taxpayer, the law-abiding citizen, just clammed up and said, you know what? No one's going to protect me. I don't have, I don't have uh, police officers that will show up in enough time to make sure that everything is going to be fine with me. I don't have uh, community leaders. I don't have the, the city council behind me. I don't have the mayor behind me. So a lot of people just gave up. But how much of that was conjecture? How much of that was uh, misinformation? about what was living and, and breathing and breeding in that community, meaning the, the hooligans and the problem. Was it real? Was there that concern or was it just fear that ran the people and pushed a lot of people out of the community? I, I only moved just because I was outgrowing. I had a two-bedroom house um, and, and I had a family, you know, uh, so I, I just didn't couldn't afford to live there. I just moved about a mile down the road into Brooklyn Center Um and and uh, bought a bigger house there for a while. But 
was a lot of it just misconception or was there a legitimate fear and a real problem there? No, that was legitimate fear. Because you got to remember, 97, 98, and 99 was Murderapolis. Right. Where a lot of black men lost their lives. A lot of innocent people who walked up and down Broadway, Lindale, Plymouth, uh, Penn, Lowry, lost their lives. That's when the takeover pretty much began, the real takeover that we still see today begin. And people was going, uh, well, nothing's going to happen. We, we don't have leadership that's going to take care of this problem. You know, we, I, I know it's not a, a, you know, a maple grove, but the people, the taxpayers should have every right. People who, who pay taxes on a house, who actually own their home, and even people who were, you know, renting there, who was good renters and kept their yards up, made sure everything was nice. You know, you, those people are the ones that was going, nothing is changing. It's getting worse. Mm. You look at Broadway today, and from the time that I moved over there, I moved to in North Minneapolis in 1996 when Mayor Shells Belton was having that um, program where she was trying to bring families back to Minneapolis. And we bought our first house right there. And by the, in 1996, by 99, I was looking for a place to move my family because like I said, I lived right in the middle of everything that was going on. There wasn't a day that I did not drive down Lindale that I didn't see yellow tape or go down uh, pen. And I didn't see teddy bears in a memorial for somebody who just got shot, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it was truly the product that was in the community at the time and what was going on. We have to take a quick break. Our guest, Reverend Tim Christopher, and uh, discussing what we can do. Uh, how can we take back the communities, especially right now? There's so much derision in our country, in our world, and certainly in our cities. There's racial inequality. There's racial uh, stress and pressure that still exists here. People are afraid to make moves for fear that it will be misconstrued and misunderstood. Is there a way that we, the people, can come together and fix the problems that we see? And uh, Reverend Tim, I'd love some more of your insight because I love the fact that you you understand the communities, you understand the people that are there and what's taking place, and you don't sugarcoat, you don't uh, you know broad stroke it or or minimize the issues. So let's talk about that. And if you have questions or thoughts. That's the WCCO Talk and Text Line, 651-461-9226. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Shaletta here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Shaletta has a day off. I'm Dave Schrader filling in my guest, Reverend Tim Christopher. Uh, Tim, I grew up in, in the Illinois area, just 22 miles west of Chicago. I was there when Mayor Jane Byrne a uh, prominent white female mayor, I think the first female mayor of Chicago, decided enough was enough, and she moved into Caprini Green, which was the slumland of slumlands. It was one of the most dangerous hotbeds of villainy and scum, as they would say in the Star Star Wars world. But she moved in, and it was cleaned up, and, and it became a tolerable place for people to coexist. And... 
that was surprising. I've heard that it has since fell back into disrepair. But, uh, you know, changes like this can be made. Why do you feel that that government and taxpayers are not stepping up to do this? Is it just straight up fear for their own lives because of the community that currently lives in and exists in that area? Well, I, I think that right now leadership feels that the only thing they have to do is give some of these organizations money and they refuse to look at the true reason why we're having these problems. You know, a lot of these problems, it is poverty. Don't get me wrong. But I believe that if we go into these schools and deal with these troubled kids, uh, I think we can knock a lot of this out. I think if we give some of our kids who are going through the trouble, who don't get to see the outside of, you know, Minneapolis um, at least once, only once a month, that, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt them. I mean, I'm going to believe in what I see, right? And if these kids have had the opportunity maybe to go to uh, a Maple Grove or Plymouth uh, or Hopkins or something like that for school and get them out of this war-torn area, you know, where they hear gunshots, where they they walk it over from school and and some somebody drive up to him and think that you know this guy bullied him at some point in time and he want he want to punk him and things of that sort. They give these kids an opportunity to see that they can grow, then the community is going to grow. But as long as you keep these kids locked up the way that they are and don't give them opportunity to get an education, don't give them an opportunity to see that things in their lives can be much better than what it is, then I think we're going to stay in the, the situation that we're in. Uh, I do believe that we can make a difference. There can be a difference that can be made. But just throwing millions of dollars to these organizations and these organizations call themselves doing something, it hasn't worked. And they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again instead of going and, and getting the the head of the snake. That's the family unit, right? We all talk about, you know, I always hear this nuclear family. I always hear about, oh, there should be a mom and a dad in the house. I believe that too. I I 110% believe that. But let's be real for a second, okay? It's not going to happen for a while. And the kids that are running around here today more than likely don't have a father in the house. So what do we do? We work with the mom. And we get the mom to the point to try where you try to understand what's going on in this household that we can work with these kids to make these kids better. The big thing up at the, the Capitol right now is SROs, correct? Oh, we need SROs in the school. It's not every kid in the school that, that's a problem. They know who the problem kid is, Dave. They know who these kids are. Then why don't we work with those kids to make it better for them? Why can't we find programs to help the mom, to help the kid? So what do we do? We lock the school down, right? We, we, we fold the kid up or, or put him down on the floor where he can't breathe. And then we let that kid go back to the same problems that he was at the school with, with those problems. Do you think so – now we – Let, let ahead, me ask real quickly then. Do you think – you know, it's really easy – as a middle-class white man to stand back and point fingers and see the problems and say this, this, and this. I think that we've lost um, respect for authority on every level, yes. in every race. Yes. 
I don't think this yeah. is a black problem. I don't think this is an Asian problem. I don't think this is a Hmong problem. I don't think this is a white problem. I think that we have gone so far to try to um, – and, and I understand uh, an aspect of this – but, you know, trying to lighten up on people and not hold them as responsible has been criminal in my eyes because that's right. you no longer have the sense of responsibility. Kids have no fear for authority, no respect for authority. Well, Dave, there should never be fear. Yes, there should. Fear is what teaches us not to put our hands on the fire. Fear is what teaches us not to jump on it the is. fragile, you know, uh, ice water. We have to have a, 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 a respectful fear of a situation to understand that there are repercussions for our actions. And if you have no respect or fear for the repercussions, you go to jail or you get killed. And that's not an answer that should happen for anybody. How do we, and I know these are big questions. I'm not asking you for the definitive answers, but how do we start to get this back? I mean, we've swung so far and you said, you know, we, we know who the problem child is, uh, but everybody's so afraid to address it because I can't, you know, I can't single Josh Wheeler out because if I make Josh Wheeler feel bad about being Josh Wheeler, I can now be sued. The school district can be sued. These things can be sued because um, we've made Josh feel bad and we can't do that, which means then they become a victim of their own circumstances and of our own over concern. And instead of saying, that sucks. It's going to hurt his feelings. But you know what? I'd rather hurt his feelings today and have him learn to be a better person in the long run than to not say anything and let him continue to be a blight to everybody. And I don't mean you purposely, Josh. I was just using the name. Um, but people are afraid to make that step now, Reverend. What do you What do you think we can do? Or is this even fixable at this point? It is fixable. But again, they we, we have to start with the family, right? Because the people who are out in the streets causing problems, causing trouble, have a family. They go back to a house, and that house is probably rife with problems, rife with trouble, you know? Maybe mom and grandma is in that house raising boys, and it's hard to raise boys. So these boys can run all over the place and do whatever they want and act any way they want to act. And the next thing you know, here they are out here in the streets doing whatever. They, there is no there is no leadership. We, we've lost the ability to be leaders all the way around, where there's leaders in the House, where there's leaders at the, the, the city council, where there's leaders at the, the Capitol. We don't have any leaders anymore. So because we don't have any leaders anymore, they, we, we're able to run out and do whatever we want. And because we're able to do whatever we want, we have some out there going, don't punish them because we failed them, right? Right. And because we failed them, we can't put them in jail. Because we failed them, we, we, we can't make them feel bad because they're doing the wrong thing. Wrong is wrong. Right. You shoot and kill somebody, you need to go to jail. Mm-hmm. There is no bargaining at all. You go to jail. That, that's just how it works. It's always been that way. And it shouldn't be one of these, oh, well, we put so many black men in jail. We can't keep filling the prison up with black men. If black men are shooting, killing people on the streets of Minneapolis, oh, we can fill it up as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> people know good from, good from bad. Right. 
it, it, I mean, that, that's, that's just how it works. You learn that at five years old, right? Mom tell you don't do something. You do it. Mom spanked that hand. Well, I know I did something bad, but I'm, I'm going to sit here and, and somebody sh- shoot somebody, plead guilty on it, and, yeah, I'm going to give you five years. No. Right. Shouldn't work that way, bro. You or, got a gun or if you that, know you're not. If, if that five years occurs, what are your thoughts on this? Let's Okay, we understand this person might have been a victim of the circumstances they were in where they saw violence as their only way. That five years is going to be intensive restructuring. That five years is going to be making you work in the communities that you were terrorizing to make it a better place to live. We're going to make sure that when you leave this five years, you will have learned economics. You will have learned how to cook for yourself. You will have learned how to take care of your finances. You will have learned the important aspects of what, it like, what it's like to have responsibility, not just yard time. And if you want, you can educate. You know, I think that if we started, you said it kind of at the beginning, if we can take people back to a place of education and take them off the streets, give them a sense of purpose, it it helps all the way around. No matter what race, religion, or sexuality you are, there should be no reason that you hide under the umbrella of your, your situation. And maybe you didn't know better because you felt like there was no other option for you. Then let's give them the option, but make sure that... They don't have to like it, but the five years they're going to spend here is going to be focused on making a better life for them so that when they leave, we feel better about the person that we're injecting back into the uh, deal instead of them having time to create a new gang-like community in prison, which only reinforces the thug nature and then re-release them into the population. Uh, you know, it, I think it's time we start focusing on what are we doing in prisons to make sure that people's lives are changing. Well, one of the things that I had been pushing for the past couple of years. I'll tell you what, years, Reverend Tip, could we, I, I'll talk about that in a second. I just realized we're up against our break. Let me take the oh, quick sure. break. We'll come back, talk to me about that when we return. I'm Dave Schrader. This is News Talk 830 WCCO. Dave Schrader filling in for Shaletta. Police Chief Brian O'Hara is going to join us in just a few minutes. Right now we have Reverend Tim Christopher on the line. Uh, I know you've got a, an exciting party, a baby shower for your granddaughter coming up. Congratulations on that, Reverend Tim. We'll get you to, well, thank to, you. to give us your um, insights right now on, on what we were discussing before the break, and I'll let you get to that party. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I had been pushing for and asking um, is to open up a place. You know, we had a totem town at one point in time what we can send our kids to that was having trouble, having problems. And um, I've been uh, an opponent push to bring that back, but do it in a military style, right? You, you send these kids, uh, these troubled kids to a place like that. You get them up at a certain time. They go to bed at a certain time. They, they, they are in a military style place versus just sending them, to daycare because that's basically what right. they pretty much call it. And then you just let them out. They don't come out with a GED. They don't come out with any type of special skills than being you know, worse than what they were when they was going in there because they can get together and talk about what they want to do when they get out. That's what we need. We need something that we can rehabilitate these kids. Just like you sent a, a young man into the military. The military scripts this young man down, 
this this young man and then build a man. And when you come back, that's what you are. You're a man. And that's what needs to be done now. We can't get these kids get in trouble and then we put them in juvie for a year maybe and expect them to come out of juvie being angels. It's not going to happen. It's just going to harden them. But if you go and you give them something to work towards, to work for, structure, I believe we can exactly. I believe we can make a difference that way. But see, we have to get to the point to where we really want to do this. This can't be one of those things. Oh, we're hurting the kids, and we're, they're going in these places, and, and we got them locked up. And the, we can't do that. We can't do that anymore. Those days are over with. We have to get to a point to where we're sitting there saying. This is for the benefit of this kid. And not only is this a benefit of this kid, but this is a benefit for his family. Not only is it a benefit for the family, but this is a benefit for the law-abiding citizen that could be walking down the street and that very kid jumps that law-abiding citizen, carjacked that law-abiding citizen, hit that law-abiding citizen, beat that law-abiding citizen. That's where we have to start thinking, that we're really helping these kids be better. And when they get older, they can be citizens. Even though they made mistakes back, back here, they can be true citizens. That right. will open a door for a woman. You understand what I'm saying? Help an old you. lady across the street. Stop his car and change a tire for someone. Those are the things that I'm talking about. Reverend Tim Christopher, it's a pleasure catching up. We'll have to do this again. Thank you so much. Congratulations on this big day for you and your family, and stay safe out there. Thank you for all the good you're doing for the community. Well, I appreciate you, Dave. Thank you very much for for having me on. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.